Namaskar. Hello and welcome to P Guru's channel. I'm your host Sri Ayer. This is leg one of our double header tonight. We'll be having Ask Abhijit at 9 p.m. IST. Right now, we are talking with veteran journalist Shekhar Ayerji, and we are going to talk about ED. If ED is a tool for uh, the government to try and uh, uh, you know uh, settle political battles, or is it something that they are doing to punish people for what they have done in terms of money laundering and so on and so forth. Hang on, this is going to be a very interesting discussion. I don't think anyone has done this thing to this, the level of detail that Shekharji is going to take us into. So let's welcome Shekharji. Shekharji, Namaskar and welcome to P Guru's channel. Namaskar. Thank you, uh, Shreyaji. Nice to be back in your channel. Thank you very much, sir. So let's start with Sanjay Raut. Now, he is in the wrong Shiv Sena lobby in the sense group, in the sense that there is one group aligned with the BJP and he's in the other group. So one could easily say that this is political vendetta. How do you see it, sir? And there have been a series of ED raids in the last few weeks and months, and I I heard that there may be more coming. How do you uh, see this whole thing? Well, uh, you know, uh, Sanjay Raut's case looks like, you know, just because he was instrumental in uh, doing Sharad Pawar's job in Maharashtra by you know, bringing together unlikely partners like Shiv Sena and uh, Nationalist Congress Party and the Congress Party to form the government that they ran under Udav Thakre for some time. Uh, so, you know, the tendency to say that all this is happening because of that. But then we saw in that uh, PMC case, you know, where uh, he, his close friend Praveen Rao, uh, through, through whom his wife had obtained a soft loan without paying any interest, about 55 lakhs or something, and moment uh, the bank, PMC bank collapsed, then, you know, the names came who owed money to the bank. Then very quickly, the Varsha Rao, the wife of Sanjay Rao, paid back that money. Uh, but now this particular case, you know, which is, which is even more, uh, because the media tends to not focus so much on the actual accusation or the charges. Rather, the more is on the political thing, you know, what Sanjay Rao is saying, what Udav Thakre is saying, Udav Thakre going to Sanjay Rao's home or what the BJP is saying to all this. You know, there is a lot of media focus. But if you look at the case itself, the case itself is quite serious. This is all about, you know, redevelopment of chawls. Bombay is full of those chawls and many of those chawls have been redeveloped. And this particular uh, chawl, uh, which involved about 625 families, and uh, they were promised that they, they would be redeveloped. And uh, till then that the builder who undertook the the agreement was supposed to pay them rent. But then the builder had other ideas when that place was cleared and the land looked uh, quite uh, you know, attractive because it was worth more than 1,000 crores. That's the same time when the hands, you know, the attempt was made to change the ownership of the land. At the same time, all these 625 families who had vacated that place in the hope of getting a, a, a modern uh, flat built there, they were left in the luck. And this has been going on for a long time. And, and in this case, you know, in terms of payment made, because again, the character involved is Praveen Raut, who is close uh, associate of Sanjay Raut. And all land deals, uh, Shri Ayer, you know, in Maharashtra and in Bombay in particular, they involve heavy political networks and heavy political connections. And strangely, uh, I'm a little surprised that nobody is looking at the 625 families. Similarly, in Bengal, Look at Patrick Chatterjee. You know, the story is more revolving around 
you know, will it be a problem for Mamata Banerjee? Where did this huge 55 crores in cash come? And who is this Arpita Mukherjee? But look at the other side of the story. When you see the gold ornaments that were seized, uh, Shriyarji, they don't look like, uh, you know, the new, uh, you know, newly bought ornaments. They look like ornaments some people would go to pawn shop and keep. Similarly, in this case, in West Bengal, people who had applied for uh, jobs as teachers in government schools probably coughed up all that they had in their home or borrowed, begged their ornaments of their mothers or sisters or God knows whom and gave it in the hope of getting the job. And they were asked to pay between 10 lakhs of rupees to 25 lakhs of rupees uh, for a job. And here again, the problem is none of the people who paid money got jobs. And they have been agitating, it seems, for more than two years, two and a half years. But nobody noticed them. And they probably there was so much pressure on the media, the local media there, it was not covered. Similarly, here also, this is there. But at the same time, people will talk about timings. Because Sanjay Raut is a person who has been, you know, abusing Modi day in and day out and making his USP. And so people tend to think this is happening because of that. But that apart, I feel... Because enforcement uh, directorate these days, you know, they are under clear construction to chase some cases. And those cases that get noticed are such high profile cases. And the other problem is enforcement directors have their hands on too many cases. Just too many cases. You just saw some statistics being placed in parliament. The number of cases that ED, ED is investigating has gone up in the last eight years. I mean, since uh, Prime Minister Modi took office. But again, in terms of conviction, it's hardly 0.23%. So the question is, what is the legal infrastructure with which enforcement directorate is operating? Because what happens is, once there is a direction from the government, from the political masters, they go about filing a case. And the other fear that has come now is, you know, after the Supreme Court upheld some of the stringent provisions, you know, where you need not show the FIR, you did not, uh, you know, uh, tell the accused what's the nature of the complaint is and you don't need a particular order from court to search your home. These are put scare. But the general public perception is, look, we have seen the rich, the people who hold ill-gotten wealth have always used the law like they do elsewhere in the world to get the benefit of law and the courts to avoid the scrutiny, to avoid you know coming under prosecution. But I think there is also a perception, you know, whether it is Vijay Malia or whether it is Nero Modi, at least you have a government that is pursuing Previously, I don't think they, they pursued it that hard because the charge of, you know, political vendetta is an ongoing charge. Whichever government is in power and there is an inquiry, the accused always say they are targeted because of political connections or, you know, this is a standard reply. This is something what even the former Supreme Court Judge Santosh Hegede mentioned in one of the interviews. Okay, the next government may target the very people who are targeting them today. And same thing would be said. But I think, you know, what the people of India expect, you know, the general feeling, the middle class, they feel, look, there is always a feeling they are getting away. And their hope in Prime Minister Modi was at least something would be done to bring them to books. And when the details, you know, come, you know, you know people like Sanjay Raut, who was just a journalist working for a Sena mouthpiece, then, you know, rose to this. And you can see the importance of Sanjay Raut for Udav Thakre. A day after his arrest, today, Udav Thakre went to his house, met his mother, tried to assure the family. I mean, such deep connections that everybody knows Sanjay Raut was close to Sharad Pawar, he is close to Sharad Pawar and does whatever at his bidding. Because the politics that we have seen in Maharashtra involves a lot of this kind of dealings, land deals in particular, with very questionable methods. 
and always you know that feeling that there was nobody to question them you know you, you have seen a face in this country you know where people felt always look no matter what happens nothing will happen to these people governments may come and go nothing will happen i think that impression people desire to be changed that is why the supreme courts you know upholding the provisions of uh, in for the stringent provisions have been welcomed by people at large though you have newspaper editorials maybe some jurists they all raising questions i mean are we heading towards a police state where one law enforcement agency will have tremendous powers but the the thing is let there be you know the 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 the, the popular view if i say is act on them at least get one one of them con, you know convicted which is not happening which is unfortunate thing maybe you need more special courts you need more speed courts you know speedy trials these are things that to happen and also there is another problem uh, shri ayyadji you know once the case start then after some time you know after they spend a month in a jail or in the custody of ed then they come out then it's normal business for them that is a time when public memory is short and people tend to forget unless you know you, you have to do a google search found out what happened to that case or the previous case when was the last hearing because our courts also have a tendency to what they see in hindi tarikh pe tarikh you know you give date after date and things go on like this and but something interesting is also happening shri here in bengal you know mamata banerji who has been used to you know raise hue and cry every time cbi you know registered a case against one of her ministers or one of her leaders this is first time i see that she is uh, not only silent but scared that some of those money trails would come to people close to her and you know she kicked out uh, partha chatterji the, the minister who was involved in this recruitment scam now we hear that she is going to do a big uh, overall of her government she is going to throw out some people get in some new people and she is going to do i mean she is going for some kind of a big uh, overall of a government even creating new districts which means she has read that you know public perception somehow seems to be not in favor of those who are facing this kind of inquiries thank you very much uh, shekhar ji uh, before we continue in this conversation i have a very important uh, observation that's coming up and i'll request you to weigh in on that sir uh could you please this is to my editor could you please bring up the tweet of dr swami of yesterday wherein he has questioned about sonia gandhi and rahul gandhi being questioned by ed on the national herald case where he has made some very critical questions i would like to have shekhar ji's opinion on it if you could just put it up on the screen while i go through some other announcement So thank you so much, sir so Shekhar ji. I, I we will bring it up in just a few few minutes. I just have a couple of announcements. Viewers, you can send in your questions using the hashtag Ask Shekhar S H E K H A R. We'll take the first five questions because I still have a fair amount of ground to cover. Shekhar ji is like a gold nugget. We can dig and dig and dig, and you'll keep finding more and more treasures. And there are three or four regions of India that are also along the same going along the same lines. So we're going to touch upon all these things. The top five questions we'll try to address it because we have a double header and therefore a time restriction. So here is the uh, here is a tweet by Dr. Swami, and here's what he says: As the complainant in the ED interrogation in the PMLA case of the TDK and Bambino, uh, everybody knows who Bambino is, and everybody knows who TDK is. I have a right to know if the custodial interrogation is to follow up. follow or if ed has concluded questioning whether ed is filing a charge sheet or not the extension of this tweet goes on to say that um, because of the supreme court ruling 
under section 18 and I think section 46, some number, okay, two sections, he said that they first need to be imprisoned uh, and and before anything else can happen. Now, this, this came out yesterday. I haven't seen any movement on this. Um, this is the top family, first family, some might say, of India. And if they are taken into custodial interrogation, do you think that what the BJP is fearing, like what happened in 1979 when Indira Gandhi was arrested, is this the main reason why the BJP is hesitating? Well, I think uh, in the case of Sonia Gandhi or even Rahul Gandhi, you know, that, that the fear in the Congress circles was that, you know, they would be probably arrested on the last day of the questioning. Right. Uh, but, but, you know, that fear was, you know, very, I would say, very genuine fear among Congress leaders. But then Congress leaders themselves don't understand this National Herald case. Many of them told me, why can't Rahul Gandhi and Sonia Gandhi call us over and tell us what exactly is this case? Why did the ownership change hand? Why was this company created? Why those book entries were made if they were just made to you? And uh, why was an, uh, 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 a newspaper founded by Pandit Jawaharlal Nehru has been transferred to a company of which the major shareholders are Sonia Gandhi and Rahul Gandhi? In fact, I know a, a very senior youth congress leader told me that, look, at least even I don't understand what this thing is about. All we know is that she is being pursued by uh, the prime minister and the BJP. Now, I think the question is, you are right in a way that probably uh, Prime Minister Modi would not want an impression to go that he is, uh, you know, how to hound Sonia Gandhi. That's why you have seen, even in the arrangements that were made, whatever she wanted, she insisted that the officials you questioned her had carried that COVID negative uh, uh, certification. And then she wanted her daughter to be close, you know, at hand to provide her the necessary medicine in case she needed them. You know, all those courtesies have been shown because uh, the government is aware that, you know, as you mentioned, Indira Gandhi's case, you know, the Indira Gandhi uh, used it to her advantage. Of course, Sonia Gandhi is no Indira Gandhi. But ultimately, I think there could be a, a, a kind of an arrest for the purpose of the procedures uh, rather than for detaining them or for, yeah, I mean, for uh, because the arrest is usually made for uh, to prevent destruction of evidence. But in this case, things are rather in black and white. Yes. And that's the problem. That's the problem. So, and courts are also very, very, you know, uh, ever alert to entertain petitions which question, you know, uh, detention uh, beyond requirement. So I think the government will be cautious because they would not want anything to backfire. Because just three days of questioning, you saw how congressmen went on, you know, went on a rampage in many cities of India. So I think uh, they will be very careful. But at the same time, I think EDS has them by their neck. The sense they have not been able to answer questions and all that they say is they know nothing about why the transfer happened. They know nothing about why they didn't pay tax for the gains that they had made, particularly the capital gains tax and property ownership changes. They had no answers. All that they said was it was all done by Motilal Vora and Oscar Fernandez who were two directors along with them. Now, both of them are dead. And, uh, you know, you would have noticed Motilal Vora's son has been saying since Rahul Gandhi went to ED that his father knew nothing about it. He did what he was told to do. So there the matter lies. I don't think, but uh, definitely the government would not want a, any political advantage for the sake of it or happier to be, you know, harassing a lady like Sonia Gandhi. I don't think they would do that because 
whatever in terms of political advantage they need, they have already got it. Because by keeping alive the national around issue. That's true, sir. And uh, as a matter of fact, I think uh, Madam Sonia Gandhi did not do herself any favors when somebody asked her, has your party apologized for uh, calling the Rashtrapati by a name that is not appropriate? And she replied like a snap back saying that, don't you know that he, they have, he has apologized? But the way it sounded, it sounded like, you know, uh, I don't want to, but I'm being asked to do it or something like that. The optics did not look very good. That's how I see it, sir. Um, so the... Uh, rather, I would... Father, I would like to say, she. I think she was more worried about the ED cases and the kind of experience for her is traumatic because she she has always avoided any summons. If you recall, when the issue of her receiving a foreign prize, you remember there was a, she had taken yes. some award and that became an issue and whether it would affect uh, office of profit. And then moment that election commission was processing her case, she in a hurry resigned uh, membership of the Lok Sabha, if you remember. So she's right. scared of this summons. For her, it is traumatic. I think that anger you saw in her face and that subsequent outburst inside the house as soon as it was adjourned. When she went to the opposition bench side and asked them why were they dragging her name on that particular controversy over how Draupati Murmu should be addressed as president in Hindi. So there is a lot of anger in her. For her, it is quite... Uh, I mean, she would have never thought this day would come. That you know, when they messed up the national case, that thought that those days they thought they would rule forever. Otherwise, given the legal counsel that is available to them, why did they make the, all those mistakes? Which uh, Dr. Swami initially pointed it out, took it to the court, and subsequently also they have got relief. They are actually on bail in these uh, the cases. So why can't the Modi government wash its hands off of this case, saying it is an individual complainant? who has complained against the party and it is for them to deal this out. Let the courts do, let the law take its own course. Um, so I, I'm seeing something there where BJP would like to see if there's any upside that they'd like to take advantage of that. At the same time, if there is any downside, they don't want anything. So I see a, a certain behavior. I can't fault them for it. I mean, it's, it's obvious. It's not uh, something that is hidden or anything like that. So let's wait and see on that one. Thanks for the clarification, Shekharji. Let's take a look at a couple of other states. One is ED in Tamil Nadu. In, in, in Tamil Nadu, over the last uh, 18 to 24 months, Shekharji, and we have documented this, ED has been looking into several uh, ministers and several high-profile politicians most of them happen to be in the DMK party. And I have done a monologue on this. You guys can go take a look at it if you want to know the details. Like people like Ponmudi, uh, Aragiri, who is the brother of MK Stalin, uh, and uh, Jagat Rakshakan, another guy who used to be ADMK, DMK. You know, you know, but today I think he is in DMK. Whatever it is, the point I'm trying to make is that there are ED cases there. And then there are ED cases perhaps that are circling in the Delhi government too. So first, let's take a look at Tamil Nadu, if you don't mind, sir, and then we can take a look at Delhi, Mr. Kejriwal. Yes, uh, dear, I mean, even there are cases against former ADMK ministers also, you know. Yes, that yes, way, yes. The ADMK has a good measure of uh, headache. And right. uh, those cases are in various stages. As far as I know, in many cases, the assets have been frozen. Some cases, yes. bank accounts have been frozen. And uh, uh, in many of those cases, huge sums of money have come. And there are other cases waiting to happen. Probably 
one would again say, look at the political timing, you know, if one may say, because I, I believe there are some cases involving very powerful families of the DMK in Tamil Nadu. And uh, you can see that fear. You can, you can see that, uh, you know, it's very palpable that uh, the way they blow hot and cold over, uh, you know, prime ministers, uh, whenever Modi lands up there, uh, on, on the day he arrives, you find a very warm reception is organized by the chief minister himself. And the moment he is off Tamil Nadu, then again they go back to saying, you know, regional parties and Hindi and all that thing starts again. Which goes to show that they are all uh, like a cat on a hot tin roof. You know, you can see that and worried that what would happen. But definitely what has happened in Bengal and what has happened in uh, Bombay, I mean in uh, Mumbai, particularly relating to uh, Sanjay Raut and previously your Anil Deshmukh, you know, uh, those who were close to Sharad Pawar. That has put the real fear of God, if I may say so, because they, they are worried that this is the, perhaps the first uh, dispensation in Delhi which will not stop a case. Because I have noticed one thing, you know, Prime Minister ensures, you know, that he is nowhere seen as, you know, directing a particular case to follow a course. So that is the reason why these cases take time. That, my understanding is, of course, there is a review of cases that's going on. But those reviews are more done at the official level, not at the political level. In the sense, there is no PMO directive, you pursue X case and drop Y case or take Z case in terms of paper trail. Let me be clear about it because people would say, you know, these things are not done in in matter in an in a, in a, in a official manner. But what I do see is, Prime Minister Modi is, I mean, is uh, rather insists that investigation take a proper course. And there is evidence to back it up because anything that finally collapses in court is going to bring a bad name to the government because just as what is right will also be taken as credit and what goes wrong will be seen as abuse of power. So I think that is there. But at the same time, the, the overseeing is rather subtle rather than, you know, either Amit Shah or somebody sitting and actually holding meetings to see what I'm going to case A, B, C, D. But Politicians in general, particularly those in the opposition, fear that in the next 20 months, you know, before we face the parliamentary elections in 2024, there is a sense that, you know, whoever has a problem, as they say in, uh, there is a Tamil saying, Shri Ayer, you know, that Badi la Ganardada Bayam, you know, if you are only carrying something in your muddy, you know, tied up in your uh, belly, then you are worried about the path you have to follow through the dark night. So similarly, all those who have stacked huge sums of such resources are really worried. Are really worried because not that they, they end up in jail. They are worried that you know once investigation happened, raids happen, this money will get locked. You know, this is what has happened to some of the very close associates of Sharat Pawar. You know, I can tell you some of this, I don't want to take names because some of the, those cases are subjudice. But many of them who actually oiled uh, Sharat Pawar's Missionary, I would say, the election missionary. All their funds are squeezed, you know, it's frozen or uh, property seized or, you know, things like that, which actually renders their election machine virtually grounded. That is the worry of the politicians. They are not worried about the final conviction and counting bars in the jail. They are more worried about how this is going to affect and elections are not getting any cheaper in India. So these are the people who, you know, the funds are parked with them at the right time. And those funds make their way because you can see, you know, no matter how election commission scrutinizes expenditure, 
you can see what is stated as expenditure officially and what is spent on the ground. And these days, it involves social media and it actually involves, you know, paying. You see, there are no more, uh, uh, you know, voluntary workers. I mean, India was one country which was very unique. You had people actually doing nothing, you know, all their life, just being part of a party, participating in campaign, then making deals when the party comes to power and running their life. So that thing has stopped. Today, you do not get floating political workers. There is no political worker today. If you need a worker, you have to pay him a salary, keep him. That is why you have election strategists like Prashant Kishore and companies like, you know, Indian Political Action Group, you know, you know, formal corporate groups which are engaged in election management, election campaigning, because they hire people, they hire people, pay them salaries to do the survey work, to pick the right candidate, to identify issues, to, to go to the people. So this is getting professional and this requires money and this requires a lot of money. Even Mamata today takes the help of people like Prashant Kishore. So you can imagine even mass-based politicians, ground-level politicians, people who are known as, you know, who have excellent public contact, need these kind of uh, resources to manage their elections in a professional manner, quote-unquote. Absolutely. And uh, I would be, it would be remiss of me if I don't ask this one question. Do you think Sharad Pawar is checkmated now? Because why I say this is, through his career, when he became a chief minister at the age of 37, if I remember correctly, until now, he was one person that would always manage to land on his feet. And yet, if you see what has been happening in the last six to eight months, Sharad Pawar has been more or less neutralized, in my opinion. I'm just seeing it from a distance. How do you see it? Is this the end of the political career of Sri Sharad Pawar? Well, as an individual, well, uh, you know, Sharad Pawar is uh, prime past his active political uh, role. You know, he he himself says many times he doesn't see himself as a as a future prime minister because that was the time he felt like that that Maharashtra should you know have a prime minister, but that that stage is gone. But what do I see is defeat of kind of politics that Sharad Pawar practices, which is extreme shrewdness, extreme clever, uh, you know. Uh, you know, the foxy approach, you know, just being a political fox, you know, jumping whichever way which is convenient, that kind of politics has suffered and playing the caste card, you know, playing one particular caste, you know, above all others, that card is no longer working because everybody is playing that card. If everybody has that card, then you, your card is no has no better value than the other cards. So that is one problem. The second problem is the politicians in Maharashtra, you know, over the years, you know, they have tend to be people they think one thing, say one thing, do one thing. And that was glorified as great political maverick uh, approach and great political astuteness. Media used to glorify it, saying, oh, that is, you know, he can talk to Modi and at the same time talk to Sonia, talk to them and form a government. Otherwise, the 2019 BJP emerged as the largest party. You tempt Udav Thakre, ask him to come out, we'll make you cheap. So that kind of politics has suffered because if you do that, there is the same BJP can... Do it two steps better. And that's what happened. Eknat Shinde, uh, you know, was made to come out. And then he's CM. And then again, if you want to play the Maratha card, he's a Maratha himself. So all this goes to show the kind of politics Sharad Pawar represented. One, which is actually uh, a more, uh, I would say, a different version of the Congress politics. Because essentially Congress politics was also this. And a politics that Indira Gandhi started it. You know, when she left the syndicate behind and formed her own party and she had lesser minions as her leaders and associates. That's how the corruption in politics increased. 
whether it is Abdul Rahman Antule or whether it is Gundurao in Karnataka, the kind of leaders she gathered together. They were the ones finally, you know, led to a situation where Congress was seen as uh, encouraging corruption and indulging in corruption. And the peak moment was, of course, between 2004 and 14, because as if you know, people thought that there would be never another day, so do whatever you have to do today. So that is why all those cases. But then, Ashri Ayer, you know, all of us have this question. Why do courts take a long time? Why are no top politicians not convicted? What is this? Should every case be subject to political timing? Should everything be sub done before election? Should everything be done to weaken an opponent? Because these questions keep arising. And I think those in power today, those in authority today, I think people expect them to be fair, but at the same time, unsparing of those who are seen as very guilty. Absolutely, sir. Very well put. And uh, last uh, set of questions, uh, this revolve around Delhi and Mr. Arvind Kejriwal. And then after that, we'll take up uh, five questions and we want to finish it in about 15-20 minutes. Shekharji, what is happening in Delhi? The chief minister himself seems to predict which one of his ministers is going to jail ahead of the thing. And, and what kind of a premonition is this? Is he that Because he knows what he has done. That's why he kind of predicts what's going to happen. What do you think is happening in Delhi? Well, uh, you know, Arvind Kejriwal promised a new type of governance. And, uh, you know, that is how he won a huge mandate. Uh, I mean, first time he didn't have much mandate, then had to take the help of Congress. And second time he got a huge mandate. There are certain areas, you know, Kejriwal particularly has been, and Kejriwal is one CM who doesn't handle any portfolio. So he has those ministers who do it. And one particular area which made a difference to people was schools, government schools. The difference it made was where the poor children go, there were teachers who never even look upon the parents of those children, even answer the normal questions where report cards were handed as to what is wrong with their kid, what they should do. I mean, that kind of interaction was never there. What we normally know as parent-teachers meeting in our public schools. So that thing changed because Manish Sisodia did a good job of fixing that, ensuring accountability that every government schools will have to hold those. So that made a good impression on the core voter base. That's a big difference. Apart from the freebies in terms of, you know, the, whether water taxes or electricity uh, rates, all that made difference. But at the same time, the ambition in Arvind Kejriwal forced his aides and colleagues to you know, look for financial resources, uh, which would be needed for expansion of Ahmadmi Party in other states. That's why what we have seen is some of his ministers, whom he, I mean, the people whom he took as ministers, they have had a kind of a background that is not exactly above board. So you have Dr. Satyendra Jain and, and also this whole excise policy. You know, previously it used to be the a state-run undertaking which used to, you know, uh, uh, distribute liquor in Delhi. Then they came with a policy which actually I would say, uh, well, it encouraged the opening of more liquor shops and all that. But with the problem that Delhi has a drinking problem, Delhi has a road rage problem. And I mean, apart from, you know, balancing it with more better policing and things like that, what we saw was a policy was introduced which saw the entire thing being open to the private sector. And like in Punjab, you know, in Punjab, this, uh, this uh, you know, auction of this liquor wins is a big deal in Punjab. You know, the, the, whichever party is in power, they make a killing, in particular, the, this uh, wins. So same thing was sensed in Delhi. And the manner in which 
the auction was done, manner in which private parties were chosen to operate those winds. I had raised a lot of questions. And obviously, when the new Lieutenant Governor came, VK Saxena, he asked the Chief Secretary to give him a report on the complaints that they have been receiving from obviously people who did not get the license to operate the winds. So there you had a huge cases. And on the basis of the Chief Secretary report, the new LG, VK Saxena, who is very politically active and otherwise, he recommended CBA inquiry. So after CBA inquiry, you know, the fear was because Manish Sisodia had supervised that policy. So Arvind Kejriwal went about saying the next guy will be arrested, will be Manish Sisodia. The government is targeting us because we are, you know, we are uh, moving ahead in Himachal Pradesh or in Gujarat. But the fact remains, the excise policy that was changed had raised a lot of questions. And which was seen as unup like in the sense, if you are talking of clean politics, you're then you better have uh, a system which is above board, which is, you know, which stands public scrutiny. But obviously, there were, you know, Kejriwal appears to have uh, come under pressure from those groups in Delhi who are active no matter which government is in power. And a very interesting part, uh, Shri Ayerji, you see, if the CBA were to start inquiry into this particular execution of this policy, they would definitely go back, which would take us to the times when Sheila Dixit was in power. Even during those times, this business was a big business, you know, even with government control, those who were stockists or those who became stockists for the state undertakings, because there was a, in some involvement of private uh, enterprise in that also. That would also open and that would be a real, uh, literally a can of, uh, you know, a uh, uh, lot of money, if not worms. So, so the, you know, that, that's a fear that's, uh, you know, that, that fear is also there among even some of the Delhi Congress leaders. So you can see what is happening, which is, which actually disappoints people when you have a party that promises a government with a difference. When you have a you know a party that says you know after Hanazare movement, then to to be surrounded by people who are into all this does raise questions about what is that alternative that Arvind Kejriwal promised to offer, and that is look seems to be you know increasingly failing to deliver. Um, thank you so much, uh, ji. And now let's take a few questions and we'll be back maybe in a week's time or 10 days time because you've really raised a lot of very interesting questions. By the way, viewers, the, the politician that Shekhar Ayerji was mentioning about Tamil Nadu of ADMK is currently a DMK minister. So th this person knows how to you know land on his feet, doesn't matter which party is in power. And he's again in the controversy. There are a lot of serious allegations have been levied against him by the TN BJP unit. So you will wait and see what happens there. So first question, please. Jayant Kashyap wants to know, how can the government in India proactively market the independence of the judiciary slash ED to prevent maligning India, asking as an oversized Sanatani, not fluent in internal local politics? Well, you know, no matter what the government does, those forces who are, uh, as we have even discussed before, who are against the present dispensation, who are in difficulty because of the present dispensation, they will always try to make out a campaign that, you know, the Indian uh, system, the judicial system is under pressure, is under influence from the government, the law enforcement agencies do the bidding of the uh, powers that be. This would go on. You, For instance, look at uh, what happened to Amnesty International. Now, the Amnesty International case, you know, their Indian chapter has been accused of money laundering. They have been accused of collecting funds without uh, adhering to the law. Or several of those organizations, NGOs that have violated FCRA and they are in trouble because they can, they have lost the license. 
So these people use their contacts or for the people whom they work in the West to create, constantly create a campaign that, uh, you know, things are not good in India. But I think they would rather, they would, should remember and rather we should also remember our judicial system is strong and fairly independent. It, I mean, uh, you uh, but look at the way, you know, the Supreme Court uh, bench that has been targeted for upholding the ED, uh, uh, the, the, the powers of, I mean, the section, those stringent sections and uh, uh, money laundering act. So th there is a concentrated book. But at the same time, I think uh, politics apart, at the moment, I think every, because our courts are the, you know, our, uh, I would say the last refuge because whether the, the, every case, every investigation, no matter who is accused, no matter what the political advantage that may accrue at a given point of time to the ruling party or to the opposition party or to whichever party in whichever state. But I think the finally it is a court that will decide whether the case, you know, merits conviction. So I think we will have to believe our judicial system. We have to let it to do our courts to do their job. Uh, because that's the only way because the government cannot do anything by itself. But accepting to appear to be not pushing in any particular direction or targeting particular individuals. Um, Jayant, one observation that I want to add is, see, one challenge that the Modi government and any government at center now has is that they are forced to be in election mode throughout the five-year term. Even though they may have gone a got a decisive mandate at the center, there is always these elections to deal with. So the same opposition parties, why don't they back the prime minister's proposal to have state and central elections together? And if really, if you want to go there, first step, you can have one in at 30 months, the other one at 60 months. That way, what happens is, you know, those who are in the middle can be aligned to either the 30 month mark or the 60 month mark. And then you start slowly going towards 60 months and then states and center goes to election one shot because what then happens is there's a you know the government will have some time to implement their reforms we are right now always holding the gun to their head saying that oh what if modi loses this what if upa lost that i mean it's the same thing for anybody at the center so this challenge why isn't the government uh, why isn't the opposition uh, getting behind the government on this what's wrong with that that's my feeling sir you i don't know feel free to comment on that yeah, I mean, uh, but then, you know, somewhere a beginning has to be made. That yes. means some of the legislatures whose term is ending, you know, they have to be extended to coincide with uh, when, when the others are due. That is absolutely right. Yeah. But then again, what happens is whichever party is in power, they do not want to, you know, prematurely dissolve their house to go for elections at that particular time when all will go. So th th this will be a problem. And the other thing is, this would require, you know, passing necessary legislation. And then yes, this yes. has to be sorted out. What happens if, within, let's say, within those five years, if a particular party loses majority or a particular leader of the house loses majority, what should be the arrangement to elect a new prime minister or a chief minister? So th these are areas which are gray areas, whether we have a system like the Germany, where the German uh, law is very clear. If a particular leader loses, they have to elect another leader within the lifetime of that house. So. I mean, these are legal issues, but at the same time, Shri Ayerji, no political party is altruistic enough to, you know, forget their own personal, political, electoral interest to agree on something this, which is in the larger interest of this country. Because whenever Modi has talked about this, there has been invariably, you know, umbrage of uh, attacks 
by the opposition or all those who cannot stand Modi to say, look, this is this is this is this is an intention is to have one nation, one leader, one party rule. You know, this this thing is going to be there. But yes, we are always in election mode. Every time you start roll out a policy, it takes a hit because you'll have to wait. But then some of the unpopular decisions of this government have happened close to elections. I mean, Prime Minister Modi, at least I would not deny him the credit. Among the political leaders, he has taken some hard decisions, which many times people worried whether it would affect the party. Sometimes yes. it has affected, like take instance, for him, the farm reform laws. They were the laws that most needed for this country. I mean, I mean, there is no, no better way you look at it. Some beginning could have been made. But unfortunately, because of elections in Punjab, because of all those extremist uh, issues that were figuring and uh, we saw those uh, laws had to be rolled back. Now tell me, like that land acquisition bill in his first term, in Modi's first term. Similarly, this one. Now no prime minister again is going to attempt to do something to change a system that badly needs a change. I mean, unless, you know, some state government decide to do a thing on their own and center decides to play an enabling role rather than being the central authority to decide. I mean, that's a different thing. But one thing, farmers today need a big change in the way they produce their crop, way they market their crop, and they look for new avenues, new markets, and also the necessary uh, facilities that you need, whether it is cold storage chains or whether you need special trains. These are a lot of other issues. But then every time, you know, unfortunately, Shreyarji, when it comes to agriculture, everybody pays lip service to the condition of our farmers. But when when you have to bite the bullet in doing things like this, I mean, unfortunately, you know, you find that uh, that political courage that is necessary is not happening. And this is the last question. Narayanan Mahalingam wants to know, what would be the political impact for Mamta out of Partha cash gates camp? Will her national ambition still hold good? Well, Mamta would want all of us to believe that this is one affair of our close colleague Partha Chatterjee who is no more, he is out of the party and she has nothing to do with but people in Bengal think otherwise because this is not an easy thing to happen in Bengal because 55 crores and those cash and ornaments and all that, this has I mean, shaken an average Bengali out of his slumber. I mean, this thing had happened in Bengal because it, is, it did not happen during left rule. This kind of, there was one particular episode if I remember during Jyoti Basu's time it was over government purchasing fluorescent lamps from a company called Bengal Lamps. And the PWD minister then was Jatin Chakravarti. This was something in the early 80s, if I remember. And, and Jatin Chakravarti belonged to RSP, one of the left front uh, allies who were part of that government under Jyoti Basu. And uh, Jatin Chakravarti was forced to quit, to accept responsibility for it, because he said, look, we bought those fluorescent lamps from that particular Bengal Lamps company. Because Jyoti Babu's son Chandan Basu was involved with it. <laughs> I mean, that, that was the last time, you know, then people used to talk in whispers about how powerful is Chandan Basu, how he can swing things in the Marxist rule Bengal then. But today what they are seeing is completely different. Because they are aware, because they are aware of the culture of extortion, as they say in the Bengali Tolabaji. For everything, there is a cut for even coal that is mined, which has to come out of the mines and move on to the road. And you know, take the highways to other states. There are gangs which are operating under Trinamool blessings who collect funds, or there is cattle smuggling, 
Every business activity in Bengal has seen huge extortion and collection. So much so today, there is actually street war involving groups of Trinamool, you know, who want a, a share of what is the, the booty. And that is how this story has come out. And let me tell you something, Shriyarji. The ED strike rate in Bengal, the moment they get a tip that this particular fat has this kind of, kind of uh, you know, cash available, when the ED team reaches there, the money is waiting to be seized. This is coming... <laughs> This is coming because of the tips that are coming from rank and file of the ruling party who are very upset. So it's clear. So I think our national ambition has taken a hit. Though she thinks, now she wants to again become friendly with Congress. She wants to meet Sonia again. She wants to meet other chief ministers. Suddenly she wants to salvage her national ambition after first riding one manship, after showing her one manship. Now she wants to get back to you know trying to cooperate with others. But I don't know whether it will work because there are more skeletons waiting to tumble out in Bengal. Yes, indeed. And there's one other question that unfortunately, Bobo, we will not be able to take it today. But I'll uh, uh, I just tell one little thing. You know, people say that you are too critical. That is me of Mr. Modi. But I can also tell you, Shekhar Ayerji, I've heard from a lot of uh, businessmen that the GST process has more or less been made bulletproof now. Wherein, you know, there used to be uh, supposing you are owed credit from the government on a GST bill because you paid excess in the beginning, collecting that required you to provide a kickback. Modi has eliminated that, eliminated that. It comes automatically to your bank account. So people also, the, the GST, this reconciliation where you pay a little bit more because you don't know exactly how much it is, that reconciliation is now happening in a far more smoother manner. I'm also seeing very encouraging signs from SEBI. SEBI should not be underestimated because it is the common man's lawyer, the common man's, the fighting for the common man to make sure that the stock market is a fair and free place. And that's where the UPA has done the maximum amount of damage. Once that happens, money for you know good causes, good companies, good ideas will start flowing through. So I'm very hopeful that even though we might wring our hands and say nothing has happened, a lot of good things are also happening. So please stay tuned. We always provide a balanced outlook about what is happening. Shekharji, you are the most diplomatic political commentator I have seen. You're staying to the facts and the facts will always you know, hold you straight. Uh, steady, sir. Thank you so much. And we'll be back again very shortly with Shekhar Ayerji as we continue this conversation on what is happening. Thank you very much, sir. Namaskar. Thank you very much, sir. Thank you very much. It has been a pleasure. Thank you.